Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of A Rock and a Hard Place. This is your host, Thomas Hill, for today's episode. This week, I'm joined by the talented Anna Poporezna, founder and CEO of smart for tech Anna is a sustainability and fintech entrepreneur with a focus on integrated value chains of natural resources and infrastructure, systems transformation, and ecosystems creation. Anna is a published author and recognized speaker on sustainable innovation and finance, including talks at TEDx, Responsible Finance, the United Nations COP24 SIF Forum, Bloomberg Environment, Global Water Intelligence, and Women in Mining. She has taken various projects over the last five years from idea to MVP of over 40 million euros today. I also want to congratulate you, Anna, on your recent G100 Sustainable Mining ESG Wing. G100 supports powerful women leaders in the world with a vision for the future. Thanks for joining us today, Anna. I'm looking very much forward to this conversation. Thank you, Thomas. That's, uh, that's a long introduction. Hey, well, hey, I'm glad to have you here. Our team would like to note that this conversation was recorded before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We hope to speak to Anna Polbarizhna, who herself is Ukrainian, about the current situation at a later date. So I want to start our conversation today by discussing the pathway which led you into this exciting field. I've always found that individuals that are working on these mineral issues or mineral related issues seem to have a very diverse background uh, and have been often involved in other fields of study. So can you briefly tell us about your journey and how you began working on this fascinating topic? Sure. Um, so I'd like you all to imagine the river and you know that rivers they always curved and go and um, in a very curvy pattern. So this is how my journey literally is. And um, some, uh, some of the guys actually joking and gave me a hashtag following the water. So what, what do I mean by that? So it's all started from the family uh, where I was brought up very much with uh, applied principles and values and was watching my dad uh, leading their one of the largest construction companies in their in a very much conscious capitalistic way back at that time when no one talked about that and of course um, i absorbed as much as i could and what was a really tipping point for me um it was a war in ukraine which was in 2014 started and it really reshaped my consciousness where i understood quickly that fragmented reality and silent thinking will not help to um to bring the prosperity, peace, and security. And basically, it literally defined my vision, um, which now pretty much is about from tragedy of commons to, to the wealth of opportunities. So I, I decided to pave my way all the way upstream, <laughs> like a salmon, uh, to go to the grassroots and to understand the problems of the natural resource governance and management, and to, and to see if it's possible to redesign the system so it actually works for everyone. Uh, so I want to now drill down on this concept of minerals, water, and food, right? And this is the nexus that I think you highlight very well. And so I think that combining the three together is really important, especially when you look at today's world where being able to access food and water sometimes or transport it on a large industrial scales requires minerals, but also minerals can negatively impact uh, water and food. So at the top level, can you define this nexus between minerals, water, and food? But more specifically, what are the three major obstacles that you currently see in your work on these issues? Uh, so let's step back a bit and uh, look from, uh, get a bit of context here. So what is the nexus? Nexus is actually approached within the governance. And the governance is a part of the diplomacy. And the function of the diplomacy to what? To bring harmony and balance. Um, balance between the different functions uh, which it covers. Trade. Uh, peace or security, international development. So, and if we shorten the past, so nexus is about balance. 
it's a balancing thing rights it's a balancing the commons and i think uh, food is actually more as a derivative so we've got to be talking here probably around land we cannot really talk about the air uh land water and minerals and all of them belong to uh earth uh it's part of the earth system and all of them belong to people and so what is actually nexus in a very much simple way trying to leave aside academics and trying to leave aside a very complicated structures which we have everywhere right now um and buzzwords <laughs> that's a that's a big other uh, thing basically nexus is it's a coordinated effort to uh not to uh, for sustainable planning planning and management of natural resources and its services so basically commons and development and coordination of common and variable elements and solutions which it consists of so what do i mean by that we've got a big basically imagine a pie called natural capital that then we would need to divide in different parts we have minerals we have base metals then we have uh rocks then we have oceans and we have all those different parts of the earth systems which we're going to manage right however if we take too much part uh, chunk of the pie then we're gonna eat another pie, uh, part of the of the pie. Now basically we're gonna steal from someone else or from something else, and this is what is about uh, nexus. It's an approach that brings um, basically not just a knowledge, but it also brings a wisdom, a wisdom, ancient wisdom from the past, where our ancestors and First Nations, indigenous people, were somehow managed, were able to manage it correctly by different tactics and approaches, conservation, be it anything else, combining it all with the science-based evidence, with the science which we got now, modern knowledge, uh, including data, tool sets, different type of tools, so GIS, monitoring, assessment, feedback systems, and so on and so forth, to design the best practices and their applications. This is what is Nexus. And what are the actually outcomes here? So we understand the functions, but what is the outcomes? The outcome is to achieve the resilience, which everyone talks about right now. And of course, as core piece of that, it's about restoration and regeneration, because we know that minerals, water is scarce resource. Thankfully, we have lands which can be regenerated and restored. And same with water, it can be restored, but it cannot be regenerated. And minerals is even at the top level. Neither can it be restored, neither can it be regenerated. So here we go, finding that uh, dynamic equilibrium or harmonious balance between those three elements is crucial because if we deplete minerals too much, um, not much gonna be left for other earth systems and for us. No, I mean, for sure. Are there any big issues that you think are really on the table here that people need to know about when it comes to water, food and minerals? Well. The one big thing is about the natural capital and it's about managing that natural capital. Uh, so we have enough for ourselves today, but also for the future, for the coming generations. So that's what is sustainability. But it's not just about the preservation and conservation, but it's also about the economic development. And we've got to understand, so we get a certain uh, amount of those minerals and uh, natural capital, natural resources to actually sustain ourselves now, but also sustain ourselves in the future, as well as future coming generations. And the good point about the indigenous, uh, as I mentioned before in my uh, point, by the way, Ukrainians are, and very few people know that. Um, it's about that their old wisdom and old knowledge, how to manage those systems, natural systems in, uh, in a balanced way. 
and the simple way, and, and there are there are a number of conflicts right now where we can say, and it's not about just against mining or against extraction or against agriculture. It's actually even now again there are some cases right now happening where tribes and indigenous communities confederated their efforts to actually stand against even green uh, infrastructure projects because as they call cultural lands cannot be restored. So now we have suddenly to think about one more paradigm here, not just the commons, not just minerals, water or land, but also cultural. Once the culture is dest destroyed, and unfortunately we saw such uh, infamous episode recently in Australia, it's gone and it's gone forever. The moment we lose our culture, we lose our identity. Once we lose our identity, it's very difficult actually to connect ourselves to who we are and how we can then progress into the future. It's very difficult to measure in terms of the economic benefits or financial benefits on the balance sheet. Uh, and that's why it was difficult to build the bridges between uh, First Nations, indigenous, and simply people who work on the ground with the corporate balance sheets and their shareholders who were driven simply before in the past um, by competition, by competitive advantage, and by delivering the best profits for their shareholders. But it's time now to basically uh, integrate those two worlds and see uh, how conservation can be combined with resilience, with the corporate resilience, or with the enterprise resilience, and also in the, where, how we can also add restoration and regeneration. And suddenly it does make sense, because it does make sense in the mid, in short term, midterm, and long term, because now it's called adaptation, and that's what we need. We need adaptive governance. I agree completely. I, and another thing that I think is so fascinating from when we talked previously is this digital water. So can you speak a little bit more about digital water innovation and how you're re redefining the value of water through digitization and specifically how you've used methods of blockchain to create some of these solutions? And, and maybe for our audience and those that are listening that maybe aren't familiar with blockchain, kind of back that up too. What is blockchain and how are you using it on water issues? With digitizing water, it's even more difficult than digitize their minerals. Minerals, it's literally a pretty much linear supply chain. Water is horizontal, vertical, and on top of it, it's very abstract. So the journey I started in 2016. So I transitioned from construction to construction industry, and then I went into the business transformation, brand transformation, and then international relations a bit when the war started and then governance and technology, and suddenly it was blockchain. So now it becomes a full chain and full of sort of logical sequence for you. At that time, I was actually writing my thesis of the, for global governance and emerging powers. And this is where blockchain came into the place. Because what is blockchain? It's basically a sort of a notary system or accounting system framework, which enables to consolidate and to reconcile different uh, information or data sets into one uh, comprehensive system, which can be cross-verified. And it's quite important because it, it's, it's, it's very difficult sometimes to trust each other, especially when it's more than, uh, more than two parties participate in their, in their discussions, in the trade, in the transactional relations, be it any type of relations. When it comes to more, just multi the multiplier effect comes in and uh, to cross-verify and verify uh, the information becomes sometimes very difficult or purely inefficient. It's inefficient. So blockchain is basically helping here from the perspective of visibility and transparency 
and minimizing the possibility of um, basically wrongful information by involving the majority into the discussion, so you're excluding the minority. So that's, that's about blockchain. So it's, it's about governance, basically. It's about effective governance. It's about dynamic governance. It's about uh, having a continuous process of that governance, which is a core for any uh, effective and efficient business relations, be it public relations, be it international relations, be it trade, be it investment. So with the water, it's a complex issue because water is public asset or public uh, resource which, uh, in, depending upon the regulatory setup, managed by uh, sometimes public uh, bodies, sometimes by the private bodies. And then the supply chain of the water management becomes quite a, a big challenge because um, it's very much, there's a lot of silos and there's a lot of disconnect between, and it's, it's a big fragmented system. So to bring that whole system into one holistic one and to finally build a systemic approach to manage water, um, Blockchain does make sense. However, where it does not make sense quite often in water utilities and in established markets or developed markets between water utilities and uh, and consumers. But water actually brought me into their private sector, into their mining and metals and mining, because there are big challenges uh, related to water, especially when it comes to the tailing dams management, when it comes to their waste management, when it comes to their um, pollution intended or unintended and when it comes to uh, planning, permissions, uh, social license to operate. So the, if you look at their life cycle of operations, starting from not even cradle, starting from their exploration until the very end, water is a key determinant of business success there and with the community relations. So, and I think it's, it's uh, it does make sense to narrow the scope. And I realized that water, the mining is also, also largest footprinter of water, uh, whereas uh, energy sector is largest consumer. So I decided to start from the logical end and uh, to to see how we can actually fix this wicked problem, which is not really wicked, it's just a systemic problem, but we can improve it, we cannot fix it. Oh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that, you know, here, especially in the US, when I look at a lot of, you talked about public and community relations, a lot of the times when you see pushback from mining projects, there's three things. First one, as you said, is water. That one comes up a lot. The second one is the culture, the community aspects, and then of course, the indigenous rights. And so those are all critical concepts that you bring up with water and culture. And I think that is really critical when we start looking at the future and trying to reconcile some of these issues with what we have to do to meet these energy transitions, but also do it right and sustainable. And so to say it in a very correct way, if not fighting around the value of water. The key thing, value of minerals can be defined. It's market-driven, supply-demand. With water, it cannot be. Value of water is one. It's absolute. It cannot be redefined. It can be reconciled. The value of water is always, it's absolute, it's life. And the rest is interpretations. That brings part one of my interview with Anna to an end. Tune in next week to hear the next part of the discussion. And in the meantime, have a wonderful week.